Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Y'all folks, believe in Kentucky back for another episode. Alongside Aaron Gershon from the Cats Pose from UK quarterback Jalen Whitlow. My name is Vinny Hardy. Fellas, we are in here for an SEC play episode. It's finally that time. How we doing, man? Good, yeah, man. Absolutely uh, excited to get it going. I'm <laughs> no offense to the other teams they play, but I'm I'm done with Akron. I'm done with EKU. I'm done with Ball State. And ready for you know eight games in a row here uh, of SEC play, and then you know Louisville at the end of the season. So it's all fun from here. Yeah, it was time to, as far as the coaches say, maybe what play up to the competition a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least uh, at least two out of the eight weeks for sure. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah. And what you talking about Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. Uh and whew. yeah, that Florida game just got a little more interesting. I know we were <laughs> hey, giving them Missouri, Missouri. Yeah. Missouri too. Yeah, though. Hey, I watched the Missouri game close. I did too. I was, yeah. I was I was thoroughly impressed with their just resolve and their ability yeah. to make make plays in the passing game. Missouri, they always do a good job passing the ball. They always got a good plan passing the ball. Uh, it always comes down if they can stop anybody and run the ball and, um, you know, just stay out of their own way. But I think I think the SEC East, man, and I'm going to say this, somebody's going to beat Georgia, uh, and I think that this thing is going to get wide open. This thing is going to be wide open, man. The, yeah, East I mean, is, the East is a stronger division from the, I won't <laughs> say top to bottom, but the top, Alabama effect. top to mid is, is because, you know, Bama's shaky. You know, LSU is still doing what they're doing, but used to it, you pick Georgia in the East because, I mean, they're back-to-back. Then you would start picking teams from the West. But it's, I think the East might be – might have an upper hand right now. Yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to what – really got to give credit to Florida for what they did on, on Saturday <laughs> and, you know, really taking it to Tennessee. That Joe Milton, you know, we talked about it. We, we all kind of agreed that the wild card with Tennessee is – you know, we all like Josh Heupel's system, but is was it Hendon Hooker? Was a lot of it Hendon Hooker? And so far, it's looking like they're really missing that guy. And uh, Joe Milton just doesn't have the accuracy uh, that that Hooker did. And they're struggling on offense. They, I believe, I was looking at it. They're near the bottom of the league in yards per game, which is total offense, obviously, and points. Like Kentucky has scored more points than uh, than Tennessee. And there was a stat out there, I believe, either was they had. It was either none or two. I can't remember. But going into that Florida game, they had either zero or just two passing plays over 20 yards. And that's one thing we've seen with Kentucky's offense be really good. It's it's the it seems like it's an all or we'll get into it more, but it's like an all or nothing offense. When Tennessee is just struggling to have those explosive plays, which last year they could do it a snap of the finger with Hooker and Jalen Hyatt. So uh, that's an interesting one. Credit to Florida for shutting them down and running the ball down their throats. They really did a good job, and Graham Mertz has done a good job managing the game for them, even against Utah. I thought he played pretty well. So that game just got a lot trickier, I think, in our in. Kentucky fans heads going into next weekend, uh, especially because it's at noon and that kind of plays into into Florida's favor. Uh, Missouri, like Jalen said, Brady Cook 
looks a lot better than he did last year because he was not a good quarterback last year. Um, we'll see. Hopefully he's healthy, though. I know he hasn't been practicing this week. Uh, I believe I believe they're playing Memphis in St. Louis. So that's not an SEC game, but Memphis is usually a pretty good team. So we'll see how they do um, this Saturday. And then, yeah, we know I still think Tennessee has a chance to rebound. And uh, South Carolina showed a lot of guts in that first half. I'm, I, I'm very low on them, but you got to give them credit for what they did in Athens. And then, like Jalen said, man, Georgia – their defense is what it is. Their defense still looks like Georgia. I know they gave up 14 points in the first half of South Carolina, but Spencer Rattler's playing some pretty damn good football. You can kind of understand that. And then they hunkered down and shut them out in the second half. But, you know, their offense has been a little slow out of the gate. So uh, Kentucky's still going to play them on the relatively early side in a couple weeks. Uh, maybe that plays into their favor to kind of have a similar game to South Carolina or even be that team, like Jalen said, to knock them off. So it, it is really, really interesting what's happening in this conference. And I think I think it's pretty fun, honestly. Yeah, I, I think I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the parody in college football, man. Uh, I'm sure you all are too. But Absolutely. The, I think, like you said, I think the SEC is wide open. I think Tennessee has a leadership issue. Um, yeah. You know, they have a product a production issue at quarterback, in my opinion. I don't think he runs the ball as good as uh and Hooker. No. And he's definitely not as accurate as Hidden Hooker, you know. Um, so we're seeing that, and I think this week will tell us a lot. Don't sleep on the Missouri Memphis game. I think Memphis could that's a sneak. Memphis, Memphis is not a bad team at all. They got a, mm-hmm. they have a draftable quarterback. Um my little cousin plays for Memphis as well, so hopefully Memphis get that one. Yeah, former, uh, former Kentucky DB Joel Williams on that team too. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think that'll be good. I think we're going to gather a lot of information from Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Yeah. We're going to gather a lot of information from Ole Miss and Alabama, no doubt. Uh, we're going to gather, gather a lot of information from the Missouri-Memphis game, even though it's a non-conference game. Um, you know, and, you know, we saw what BYU kind of did to Arkansas – um, you know, Texas A&M, I think is, I think Texas A&M is going to end up having a decent season, um, you know, in the West. Uh, but I think just the East, man, I think, you know, Kentucky, Missouri, it's crazy we say this, but Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, um, I don't think South Carolina is going to be able to hang on. No, I, think I don't they, think so either. Um, I like know, Rattler's doing a great job, but everything Rat- else is kind of a yeah. – No doubt. Rat- Rattler's, Rattler's last – about six games from last year to this year, he's been who he's we thought he was exactly. Be. Uh, yep. you know, I, I think he has, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Um, and he has a lot of own talent, but you know, I'm anxious to see what happens, man. I think Kentucky has a real chance, they should be excited, man, because they got a real chance to really, um, kind of make a run for this thing in the east, man. Because I think a lot, a lot can happen, yeah. I, I just real quick, you. That's a great point. I saw someone on Twitter like being concerned that the SEC was down and like, what does that mean that Kentucky's not happy with their win so far? And I'm like, it's a good thing, man. Like it means it's wide open and you've got time to figure it out this year where in other years you don't. So obviously got to win. This is a must win if you want to have those goals uh, for the season this weekend. So it all starts with Vanderbilt, of course, but uh, it's why you're, you're right. It, this thing is wide open. Even if you don't win the East, uh, you have a, a really good shot to finish second this year uh, if you can take care of the games that you should and uh, maybe squeak out a couple that many don't think you can. Maybe this is the year that you can finally get Tennessee. You have them at home. Uh, they don't look 
nearly as lethal offensively. Uh, they do look good in the run game, but Kentucky's really good at stopping the run. So uh, maybe the, it's just a better matchup than than years past. And then the, the one game that's kind of really interesting on this schedule, because I think the loser could end up really bottoming out, and we talked about them a little just now, is South Carolina and Mississippi State. Like Mississippi State looked terrible <laughs> against yes. LSU. And yes, the they off- did. Yeah, and that offense, man, I, I was having this conversation. I don't want to go on too big of a rant. We'll talk about State later in the year. But, like, I just don't know why they decided to go away from the air raid when they still had the personnel for an air raid. Like, I get if they eventually want to be a balanced offense, but Will Rogers is still there. All those wideouts are still there. Stick with it. Like, get an air raid coordinator for a year or two and then transition if that's what you want to do. Um, I just don't think they've done. I don't. I just don't think Zach Arnett's done a good job so far, and that's a really tough spot. Obviously, he didn't yeah. expect to be in this role, but it, it's just how I feel about it. And then you know, South Carolina had a really good half, and then you know, Georgia did what they were supposed to do. Uh, this is a game where maybe South Carolina could build some confidence, but if they lose to this Mississippi State team, I, I just think they're going to bottom out. So that's a that's a sneaky game in the conference this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, th- I think Mississippi State. Um, I agree with you said, man. They, whether you get a, a coordinator who's an air raid guy or not, I think whoever's that coordinator has to, yeah, kind of acquiesce to his talent. You got to, right. I mean, like, what do you have talent wise is what you should do. Obviously, you know, you got a quarterback who's comfortable in that system. You can still add more run game, but I would keep those concepts exactly. in my system if they've been that productive in a past game. So that's just that's me. Cool. I don't, you know. But you got coordinators who come in and they have their own way of doing things, and I get it. You know they believe in certain things, but I don't know. That's that's just kind of yeah. kind of what I believe. Now I do believe that the best team in the West is LSU. I know they got oh, beat. Oh yeah, I don't think it's close. Have, uh, you know by Florida State, but I think LSU LSU is going to be an SEC championship game right now in my opinion. Um, yeah. I, I really do believe that. And maybe, I mean, like you said, it's a tough spot for Zach Garnett. Maybe wanted to be a head coach at some point. It kind of had accelerated. Yeah. And do you, you know, you want to put your print on stuff, but do you right. maybe you went too far into that and you kind of change it for the sake That's of changing what... and you, you've never done it before and now you just kind of snowballed on him. And yeah. he's a defensive guy anyway. So, yeah. And Getting back like, to Tennessee, though, just my thought because like, this is a Kentucky podcast, but we we talking all SEC because I mean, I mean, this it's that world. time, <laughs> yeah, it's that time. The the Hooker Milton thing, uh, maybe it's kind of a reverse Levis Leary because you're hearing all the stuff about down there. The Hooker's the ball was more catchable; he mm-hmm. was more accurate. He wasn't built like Levis, but he ran a lot more. Then Milton does. Yeah. So it's just they're having a reverse of what we're having with transitioning from Levis to Leary when they're going from Hooker to Milton. Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. Milton has all the talent in the world. I mean, we see you don't throw a ball 80 yards or whatever he could do on accident. I mean, he's got a ton of talent, but sometimes the touch isn't there. And you know what? Uh, they're they got to play their strengths too. I know that they. Um, you know, obviously have this high-powered offense and they love to throw it downfield. And part of it last year, too, is Jalen Hyatt's pretty damn good. Like, I know they have some fast receivers, uh, Squirrel White being the fastest of them all, but, like, they Jalen Hyatt was a different cat than uh, the other guys that they have left and even had on their ro- – I mean, he was faster than Cedric Tillman. They couldn't do the things they wanted to do as much with even Tillman. So, 
I, they have a great running back in Jalen Wright. And maybe they, I think the thing that can get Tennessee back on track is, and they have a better defense than they did last year too, is if they wanted, they should take a page out of what Ole Miss did last year and keep the pace, but run the damn ball. I think that's how Tennessee can win this year. I just, I think you take it out of Milton's hands a little bit and throw it on the ground. I think uh, Jalen Wright, yeah, he's second in the SEC in rushing right now at 296 yards in three games. So that that's what I would do if I'm Tennessee, but I just don't know with how Josh, Josh Heupel is and, you know, how committed he is to the pass. I mean, obviously in 21, he, he pulled Milton, Milton won the job. They went to hooker. Um, and they still kept throwing it, even though at that time it wasn't known that Hooker – they didn't think Hooker had the arm that Milton did, and that's why Milton won the job. And remember, Hooker was recruited by Heupel's uh, – excuse me, uh, Pruitt's staff, and then was inherited by uh, by Heupel, where Heupel's guy was Milton. So uh, I just think that if Tennessee wants to get back on track, they gotta, they got to run the ball. They have two rushers right now in Jalen Wright and Jabari Small, who are top 10 in rushing in the SEC, just like uh, Ole Miss had last year with Jenkins and Evans. So, I mean, you they didn't, you know, were they not able to do what they want to do against Florida? It, did they, it felt like they kind of got methodical for them or took the air out of the ball for them from what we're used to seeing. Is that just Florida made them do that or they're just not capable of the firepower from last year? Like, is it? Yeah, I, I think part of it was, I think part of it was Florida was getting them and maybe Tennessee had a part to play in this too, was getting themselves behind the sticks. Yeah. When you get yourself behind the sticks, man, it's tough to use tempo. Uh because now a first and ten is now first and fifteen because you had a false start. Now you're second and long if even if you get a little bit of yardage. So it's hard to get into that rhythm of tempo when that's happening. But I do give credit to Florida as well. Florida controlled the game by playing solid defense and they ran the ball well. So Everything I just mentioned kind of takes out your, you know, offensive tempo, your rhythm, yeah. you know, just the, the juice you want to play with on offense. It kind of takes it away when you're struggling to stay in front of the sticks due to penalties. Uh, they had a turnover, which they usually don't have. That was Milton's first interception ever in a Tennessee uniform, I think. Yeah, that's not uh, his issue is turnovers at all. Yeah, so, um, you know, and I, I think Florida, Florida got them, man. They did a good job. They got them. Yeah, and Florida did what they did. Going into the year, the thing with Florida that everyone knew should have been their strength were those two running backs. I mean, Etienne, he looks like his brother. He's a beast. Uh, and then Montreal Johnson, and then their offensive line. They returned most of it from last year outside of uh, uh, the one who got drafted by the Bills, uh, Torrance. So, you know, they're, they, had, they had a really good offensive line, and they had um, had two elite running backs, and they – use that to their advantage against Tennessee. So that's something to watch uh, with Tennessee too. Their defense is improved from last year, but uh, they could not stop the run whatsoever um, in that game. As always, we're coming to y'all courtesy of the Believe Podcast Network. Go to Believe.com and get this podcast as well as many others that cover the SEC. All of our SEC brethren are on this network as well. For example, Jason Campbell, the Auburn podcast, uh, Jay Graham, play for Tennessee, coach for Tennessee. He's doing Believe in Tennessee now, just to name a few. So, you know, they're covering uh, the f- other schools as well. We're also live on YouTube and Twitter. So get at us in the comments, interact, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff so you can keep up uh, with us each and every episode. 
Uh, if you want to advertise on the podcast, feel free to do so. Reach out to us or the Believe Network. We love to promote your business or product on this podcast. Flipping back to Kentucky, uh, one of the big things was, is Liam going to be upstairs? He's going to be back on the field. Um, Jagger Burton, and you can yeah. see it on the broadcast. He he was kind of beating himself up. He was a little rattled. He was in his head. He was he was shook and. You know, you didn't – you kind of – the first game, I think everybody was kind of watching close and didn't have anything as major as what we had against Akron. So then people kind of move on. Okay, all right, you don't have to worry about that. But then we had some issues with the snap. And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, Yenzer yeah. was talking about it and, you know, Eli Cox was talking about it. No doubt Jaggers speaking himself harder than anybody about it. So uh, we'll see what they do as far as that goes this weekend too. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, well, one thing that Yenzer said that was really interesting was that usually when – and they admitted – Stoops admitted that they'd had issues snapping during camp and in practice, and that's kind of to be expected when you're transitioning to the position. But what Yenzer mentioned is when they were seeing issues, the snaps were to the right or to the left. He was airmailing snaps on Saturday, and that's obviously really concerning. Uh, they got really lucky that Tevin Leary made a perfect throw to Tavion Robinson on third and 22 – uh, third and goal from the 22. I mean, that was, I thought, his best throw. He's made some pretty good throws. I I put that at the top of the impressive throws that he's made so far. Uh, and then, obviously, the other was a drive killer. And, you know, you also had a false start and a holding penalty that took away that touchdown, 64-yard touchdown to Anthony Brown. So just things you can't have. And, you know, Yenzer did say that, you know, they feel comfortable plugging Jagger right back in at guard if they have to. And that's tough, though, because Eli Cox is playing at such a such a high level at right guard. He's clearly more comfortable there. Uh, do you really want to do that? Or, you know, if you have to move Eli back to center, don't wouldn't you rather Jagger just work from behind and not worry about guard and two positions and throw in Tanner Bowles, who you got from Alabama, who could play all five positions in there. So uh, there's a lot there's a lot of discussions that are probably being had. I'm really curious to see if um, if anything comes of it. I, I, I still think it's going to be Jagger on Saturday, but it could be a last chance type of deal or it could be a mid game switch if, if there are more issues. Take us back. And, you know, to the listeners, uh, refresh my memory. What was the the big impetus? I don't know if "rush" is the right word to move Jagger to center. Yeah. Anyway, what was the what was the logic behind that? What, what did they say when that talk was starting to happen? Just just kind of refresh everybody <laughs> on on this how we got here or how we started to getting here. Yeah, I, that's a good question. It's kind of something. It, it, it's kind of like. Last year, I think it was Yenzer who made a comment like, oh, yeah, like Eli, I see a center in him. And they made that move. And you look at Eli's last year and the snap issues weren't there, but maybe, you know, the calls and protection, the some certain things didn't go as well. You know, he he didn't have the production. Uh, he didn't have the the protection and didn't produce as much as a run blocker as he did at guard. And I felt like they le- they've always loved Jagger's athleticism and they felt like he was kind of cut out for that position and they wanted to get 
I, I don't know if it was more so they wanted to move Jagger or they wanted Cox to move back to guard more. I don't know what the emphasis was, mm-hmm. uh, which one it was. But clearly that's what they decided to do. Uh, I think they just felt like Eli – I mean, the, the Eli was a midseason All-American in 2021, and then he got hurt against Tennessee and missed the rest of the season. So I think they really – in my opinion, I, I, I'm I'm kind of speculating. Is more it was more so. Let's get Eli back to guard where we know he's dominant and he he's going to be a draft pick. I think. I mean, he's a guy I think is going to end up at the Senior Bowl and get drafted to be a guard. And I think that it. I really do think the move was more so to get Eli out there. And unfortunately, you know, at center they didn't add anyone in the portal, which I, I wouldn't say unfortunately they just didn't. Whether they felt really good in Jagger, you know, Tanner Bowles has experience there, but they didn't at a center for whatever reason and Jagger's struggling more than they anticipated. So either out of necessity, they're going to have to move Eli Cox back if this continues, or again, I'm still confused on why Tanner, we hadn't seen Tanner Bowles yet. I just feel like I know it didn't start at all at Alabama, but he's so experienced. He's gone up in practice against so many NFL guys. Like I, I, that's who I'd give a chance first. Cause I really think, if he can handle it, that's who should play center because you got to keep Eli where he's comfortable and he's dominating at right guard. Yeah, I, I agree with that, man. I think um, the center, the last place you want to have issues at is center. Yeah. Um, you know, I always talk, I tell, talk to our kids a lot about the vertical alignment. The most important positions are obviously the two positions that touch the ball every snap. And sometimes the running back, right? Uh, you got to have those to center quarterback and running back to have a solid foundation, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, like I said, the last place you want to have issues is center. Like I said, they may – I'm sure they are trying different things uh, at this point, even if it's not aggressive, even if it's not taking first-team reps away from um, Jagger at center. They're probably trying Tanner Bowles and getting him more reps – Getting other guys greased up because, like you said, you never know. If this thing continues in the Vanderbilt game, uh, now you really have to make a decision. You, I mean, not a decision. You got to make a move now uh, yeah. you know, uh, because you don't have time to wait to develop guys. You got to develop it or you got to get them reps. So, and I, you know, speaking of the Vanderbilt game, I do think this is a game. You mentioned it's a must win. I think it's a game, not only a must win, I think it's a game that you got to, and this is unfair to say, but you got to win convincingly almost. You got to, not blow them out, but you got to win the game with a lot of. You got to feel good about it yeah. the whole time, you, even if yeah, it, yeah, that's what you mean. No doubt, you have to win this game and be confident about how you played. Yeah, because you know after this, obviously, it doesn't get easier. Um, no, so you know you want to you want to feel good about it, and you got to get that center position sold up. So I think it's a mental thing. Uh, he's obviously talented enough to do yeah. it. You know, it's and like Yenzo mentioned, it's mental uh, right now. It's just a mental. It's a mental thing that he got to he got to get through and and just trust himself, man. And 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 you know, I don't know all the particulars in taking the snap or or snapping the ball, but I do know the basics from just coaching. And you know, he has to just trust himself to do the basics. And like Yenzer was saying, snap first, block second. The ball is the most important thing. So uh, I think they'll you know they'll find a way to get it corrected, whether it's him or somebody else. Um, yeah, they move Eli back. They'll get it corrected eventually. Uh, but you don't want this thing to linger because at the end of the day, you know, just a snap being four inches off to the right or to the left may not seem like a big deal to most people, but from a quarterback perspective, it makes you take your eyes off the defense for a little bit longer 
which throws off your timing in the pass game. So um, it's all a trickle-down effect. So uh, we'll see how, how this thing plays out this week. Yeah. And it's just – it's funny how the schedule's laid out, you know, Aaron's, you know, we all tired of the, the non-conference with the Akron's and the Ball States. Then it's it's just a gradual step up. Your SEC yeah. play, but it's Vanderbilt. And then the next week you step up to Florida. Yeah. And the next week you step up to Georgia. So it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just the weird top. the way these steps. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like you started off with Georgia LSU and then dropped down to Vandy. It's just a gradual step, step, step. So you gotta you gotta play up to the competition. You know, for the most part, they there were some areas where a lot of people, Eastern game was too close and it shouldn't have been that way in the second half and not that kind of thing. So it's like we said, it's, it's SEC play time now. Yeah. You, you got to get your stuff together because, you know, the, the gauntlet's starting for everybody and it's it's hard from here on out for everybody. Yeah, and look, Vandy, <laughs> they're not good, obviously, compared to the rest of the SEC, but they beat you last year and yep. obviously have their running back, but still, uh-huh. they beat you last year. You can't discredit that. Uh-huh. And What's really interesting about this for Kentucky is their corner. The pass defense has been excellent. Uh, I know Parker McKinney uh, is a pretty good quarterback. He didn't have the playmakers uh, to make enough happen. Um, Akron doesn't have anything at quarterback or the skill positions. And then I thought the kid who came in and played played pretty well for Ball State at quarterback. But again, you know Kentucky's pass defense. I think Maxwell Harrison's the fourth highest graded corner in the country right now. Like he's playing lights out. Andrew Phillips is playing lights out. JQ Hardaway was the one that was struggling. He played lights out on Saturday. Vandy's biggest strength is they got three dudes at receiver. Uh, Will Shepard has six touchdowns already. He killed Kentucky last year. He's back. He's playing at a high level. Uh, London Humphreys only has nine catches, but I think it's 240 yards he has. Uh, he's a burner. And then they have um, another wideout who's over 200 yards. Uh, and Jaden McGowan, who's he's, he can line up anywhere. He can line up yeah. as a running back and make plays out of the backfield. He's a he's a receiver, but he lines up everywhere. And he's a you know he's like Marion Brown, where he's a really good return man. So they've got dudes at receiver, and then they have Quincy Skinner, who hasn't done much this year. But if you remember, caught the game winning touchdown and absolutely toasted uh, whoever he was on on a route in, into the end zone. So they got Harris at receiver. Was it Harris? No, right? that was the fourth down play that went to Shepard. Oh, or did Shepard or was it Viper? You're right. You're right. It was mm-hmm. you're right. It was Skinner on the deep ball that was Harrison and then yeah, Shepard Har- in the end zone. You're Harrison right. just got subbed in and they and went all, right all at Stoops him. had to do was call timeout, by the way. So yeah. That's a different whatever. That's in the past. <laughs> but um <laughs> look, Vandy's got dudes and AJ Swan can throw it. So it is this is the first big test for UK secondary. So I am I am anxious to see how that goes. And then you know how Kentucky should be able to handle this defense. It's not a good defense. Uh, their best player is an edge rusher, so you need to have a better game from Marcus Cox, who had, was pretty good the first two weeks, especially the second week. Last week, man, he whiffed so bad on that one sack, and that got Larry hit pretty good. So, you know, they need a good game from him. Um, so, again, this is a this is a win. Obviously, a game you should win, like Jalen said, feel pretty good at uh, when you get out of there and beat them pretty good. But, like, they've got some dudes that can be a problem if you sleep on them. And uh, you just got to – this is still a big test. I know it's Vandy. It's in a construction zone. Uh, there's not much of a home field advantage going on. But, like, this is a, a, a trap game if I've ever seen one. And, obviously, too, uh, you, you have the human nature thing of looking ahead to Florida. So, 
Um, there's just enough to make you a little nervous with this Vandy team. But again, you, you should feel pretty good and you should go out there and dominate because uh, if not, uh, there's going to be a lot of questions to be asked. Yeah, that's true. Flipping back to Alabama, look, we, we sprinkle in SEC, we go to Kentucky. As a quarterback, Jalen, when you see them in a in a tooth and nail fight with USF, uh, put yourself in in Simpson and Milrow and and all those guys' shoes as a quarterback. Uh, word on the street, maybe Milrow didn't handle the news about his you know, not playing well, and that's why he didn't see the field a lot and all that. Put yourself in those guys' shoes. Got a new coordinator coming in. One dude, I mean, came from Notre Dame with him, so he knows him well, but none of them played well. I know it got rainy in the second half, but it, it, it was pretty when the game started. Just your thoughts on, is it system? What what's, What is going on? Because the coaching staff – you know, Nick Saban that said to me today is let this cake bake. And <laughs> if this this is what you're pulling out the oven, I mean, so just just your <laughs> thoughts, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, I thought about this, man, and I, we were watching the game. I told I told I watched the game with some family. I was like, you know what? This is the worst Alabama football I've seen since I was in the eighth grade. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it was bad. You know, um, it, and definitely from obviously our offensive perspective, I think this man. I think they set Milrow to make sure that the other two guys can always say that they got a fair shake at playing in the game to earn the spot. I believe they did that. Um, there's no way you play arguably the best athlete. You don't play the best athlete on your team. Not only is he your starting quarterback, or he started the first two games, he's probably the best athlete on the football team playing quarterback. And not only do you, you know, not start him, you don't even play him. He don't even have a package. So that was a clear message to me that he want to make sure he get these other two guys game experience, game reps, so he can really allow this thing to shake out and say, okay, this is what happened. This is the tape from practice. This is the tape from the game. This is the starter. This is the secondary. This is the third string guy. You know, I, I really believe he did that. So, and he kind of alluded to the fact that he did that, uh, Nick Saban, in, a, in an interview. So, you know, I, I think the whole debacle was kind of frustrating because I know how it is to have to rotate in with another quarterback and you never get your rhythm and you always got to, you know, it's just a different feel than being the guy. When you're the guy, you know, it, it's a di- some guys, you know, play worse when they're the guy. Some guys play better when they're the guy. Some guys stay the same, right? But I was always a guy who, you know, I wanted I wanted to make sure I'm, that I was the guy because now, you know, the relationship with your teammates, believe it or not, that plays a huge part in it. You know, not only you but your teammates' relationship to you uh, because, you know, it's human nature comes in. the fact, everybody's in a locker room. You As a receiver, you don't want to feel like you're catering to a certain quarterback because you, you got two other quarterbacks that are battling for the same spot. It's just a, it's a lot that goes into it, man. It's a, it's a real weird dynamic. So, um, you know, I, I think they have issues. You know, I, I don't like to blame coaches, but I think one thing that I noticed that when they played Texas, they weren't really playing to Milrow's strengths. Milrow is not Tyler Buckner. Uh, he's not, you know, Ty Simpson. He's a, he's a unique athlete who 
has to have the offense kind of cater to his skill set, which everybody does, but especially him because he's a guy who can throw the, who can work outside of the pocket. He's a guy who can run the ball, design runs, uh, just move at a launch point. I mean, there's there's so much you could do with him just based on his speed. And he obviously has the best deep ball out of the two. Uh, I'm not saying he has the best short to intermediate game, but this deep ball is pretty good. So you can do a lot of stuff. I think the stuff that Texas was doing with um, – What's the kid name? Quarterback. Uh, Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers. Like the half roll stuff, the naked stuff, getting them on a the move, changing the launch point sometimes, stuff that Alabama should have been doing with Milrow. So I just think that whole thing was, was you know, very weird to see. Um, but I think Nick Saban was trying to kind of – he was getting at something. With, with, he had a method to his madness on last Saturday, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, and the big thing with Alabama, going into the year, they were supposed to have a pretty darn good offensive line. Oh, my God. Uh, they've allowed 12 sacks. To give put it in perspective, that uh, per game, that's four per game. That ranks 123rd in the country right now, tied with Hawaii and Houston for sacks per game. Uh, Akron, who we saw Kentucky get five sacks on, has only given up – has given up 13. And same with South Carolina, who's looked dreadful on the offensive front. They've allowed 13. So Alabama's only allowed one less than those two teams. Uh, it has been a struggle to protect whoever's back there. And that has obviously hurt them in the run game, too. So uh, it's just shocking <laughs> what's happened. Like, there was definitely a case for Alabama to finish, you know, second and not win the West behind LSU. Maybe you can even make a t- case for AM, you know, with all their five star talent and whatnot. But I don't think anyone expected it to be because they're getting out physical by a USF team that went four and twenty is four and twenty nine the last four years. We're not talking like <laughs> we're not talking like a Miami Ohio who's usually like a seven win team or some of these Mac schools. We're, we're talking about a team that was as bad as anyone. They're like Akron. They are literally Akron uh, of their conference. So that was just I, I couldn't believe it. Now, when you look at Miro from a quarterback perspective Jalen best athlete athleticism undeniable as a passer as a quarterback as they run the offense the whole package of a quarterback what do you see do you see a guy that just needs more reps do you see a guy that you know you, you you'd like to say that have an offense catered to him but is he a guy that needs to work on reading defenses better or what where is he at in his journey as a quarterback from where you sit definitely need more reps um he needs i think he's a guy who needs the time in a saddle as the quarterback of the university of alabama yeah you know that's the biggest thing you know you cannot start a guy for two games and he didn't play bad against texas am i watching a different game than everybody else he had (laughs) i didn't think so either he had one not good decision where he stared the guy down and the guy picked it off. Yeah. Whatever. But he, he did not play bad against Texas. He played, he set a record against middle Tennessee. He set a record for, for quarterbacks at Alabama rushing and passing touchdowns in a game. He set a record second game against Texas. He gets sat. I mean, every time he gets, not every time, majority of the time seemed like he took the ball to take a drop in the pocket and, there was leakage from the time he touched the ball. Uh, so somebody find me a quarterback who can operate in that environment, and I'll find you a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, you know, you just, you just, I mean, what do you expect? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, did he play 
Great, no. Did he make some mistakes? Yes. But did he play well enough to to retain his position as a starting quarterback? Yes, he did. I think the talk and the chatter behind the position of quarterback at Alabama kind of got to Nick Saban a little bit to where he had to make a decision and say, hey, all right, let's give these other guys a chance in the game so people can see who they are. They knew who Tyler Buckner was as soon as he stepped foot on campus at Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I could have made a couple of those throws with my left hand. You know, <laughs> I mean, he he looked terrible, man, and I, and I hate to yeah. say that, but he he looked it's bad. True. He, I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks who can do a lot better than what he did, you know, and it, it just is what it is, guys. The tape don't lie. I'm not trying to be, uh-huh. you know, about the guy, but it, it just looked bad. Tyler Simpson can be a good quarterback. I just don't know if he could be a good quarterback right now for what they need. No. I just think with the the leakage up front. Milrose's ability to escape, his athletic ability gives them the best chance to win. And they have to play to his strengths. And, you know, I don't think he has an issue reading a defense like people are making it out to be. Everybody has issues reading the defense when you're under pressure. You know, everybody does. <laughs> try try, try yeah. to step back there under some pressure. Now, is he, you know, Hayden Manning? No way. But he's not – I don't think he played as bad as people are making it out. Oh. I was watching the same game that everybody else is watching, and I was trying to find where is this terrible quarterback. I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually trying to look for it, you know, and I couldn't mm-hmm. find it. So he's a guy that needs to be the quarterback, and they got to take their lumps with him. But you also got to play to his strengths, you know, because he can win you games with his ability. I really believe that. Yeah, there are only two theories I have for why I was benched. Uh, and one, two, and also real quick, Texas has a damn good defense, too. Exactly. Too. Like, they, they can play on both sides. Like, I know they had trouble with Wyoming, but that's because their offense didn't get going uh, until the fourth quarter this week. Their defense was fine. So, you know, you got to also take that into account. But um, I think there, there's only two theories. One, there was that, you know, there's suspensions that happen where you can kind of pick a game and not say, like, a guy was suspended. That was a theory I saw floated out there, and maybe that has some legs. I know, for example, to bring it to Kentucky, you know, Trayvon Ripka didn't play the first game. Mark Seuss was asked about it. He said it was something else, probably in a suspension that was that whatever. Not going to speculate why. One of those, okay, he sits his game, sits his game, done, bye, over with. But so it could have been that. And then the second thing is obviously uh, Buckner is Reese's guy, Tommy Reese, the offense coordinator. And maybe he was just able to talk himself into giving his guy a shot against a lesser team. That's the only two theories I can think of. Because like Jalen said, I I didn't get to watch all of Texas, Alabama, because I was still at Kroger Field. Um, but I did see enough and see some of the good plays, including, I think, a 39-yard touchdown that Miller wrote through. I, I didn't see a bad quarterback. I saw a guy who, like Jalen said, needs reps and can eventually be a pretty good one, especially if there's some protection. And obviously he's a guy who can get out of the pocket and make things happen on his feet. So that'll help him in that situation too. But if he has protection in time, I think he can be a decent thrower too. So uh, I didn't, I didn't understand it. Those are the only two theories I have, but I was, I, I was glad for the kid uh, Milrow that being of course um, that they are going back to him this week. Uh, he's going to start against Ole Miss and be their guy. So, uh, we'll see that. That is a really interesting game. If Ole Miss, because Lane Kiffin's, you know, I, I, I think we all like Lane Kiffin. I, I love his personality, whatever. But <laughs> he has struggled in big games throughout his coaching career. So if he can go and get that one 
against his former boss. That's a huge win for Ole Miss, and it could be a sign of like it could be it, it could really spiral for Alabama. So it's gonna be interesting. And Alabama's not in position to unless they miraculously fix a lot of stuff this week, they're not in position to be in a shootout no. with Ole Miss. So, I mean, it's... Have you guys seen how Jackson Dart is playing? He's playing like the best quarterback in the SEC. I'm not saying he is because they've only played – oh, Tulane's pretty good, but still, they haven't gotten into SEC play yet. But right now, he's probably your first-team all-SEC quarterback. Yeah, I think if there was ever a time to beat Alabama is right now. Yeah, you got to get him. You got to yeah. get him. That's why, like, if you're Kentucky, man, this is the year to have him on your schedule. Like, and especially being senior day at home, like, it is the stars are aligning for that to be a special night. And Lex, I'm not calling it at, at this point, but it is because I got to see Kentucky play better first. But even though yeah. I think they played pretty well, and I want to get yeah. into that too. But, um, yeah, I, it's, I don't know. Things are happening. Things are, that game is a lot more interesting than I thought when, uh, the skate when I saw that you know Kentucky's last home game there would be Alabama. I mean Georgia is too to me, man. I I, I don't think yeah. that Georgia's invincible this year. I think you can compete there for sure. Yeah, when I watched them, man, I know they play at Georgia, but when I watched them, you know, I was like, man, this team, this team has some holes, man. This team isn't, you know, and, and I say that, but we're so caught up in seeing them, you know, the past two years, and yeah. they had arguably the best defense in college football history in twenty twenty one. And I mean, 2022, they weren't far behind that. So, uh, but I do think, you know, I think this thing is wide open. Like I said, and I said this before the season, I was like, I wouldn't be shocked if there is no undefeated SEC team. And right. there is no, there may be one or two SEC teams, maybe one, with one in-conference loss. And, you know, that may be the case, man. Uh, you know, maybe the case. It's crazy. There is a there is a possibility, even if it's a one loss Georgia, like the SEC could get left out of the playoff if things don't start getting better. Like it's possible because you got. I think te- we'll see what Texas. I think they're going to be able to run the table and win that Big Twelve and do it with either one loss or none. The Pac twelve is you know goodbye for, for after this, but they're ha- they have re- those are good teams like Oregon and you, especially Washington. Like those are some real legitimate and contenders and then Ohio State and Michigan are going to be in the mix and then there's a wild card cuz Notre Dame, you know, they have a quarterback. You have a good you have Notre Dame who's usually pretty good and now you had a really good quarterback to them. So, you know, if they beat Ohio State this week, they're I mean they're in the playoff hunt. So, and then Florida State obviously. So, you know, there's a there's a lot happening where if the SEC doesn't get its act together, uh even a one-loss Georgia, if it's not, you know, conference champion Georgia could be in trouble. Interesting, interesting. It's been I'm not time. saying it's going to happen. I think George is going to be in the playoff in the end. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if LSU ends up not losing again, they'll be in the playoff too. Or they'll be in the playoff and Georgia won't, whatever. But I'm just saying it's possible for the first time ever. It's the first time the SEC has to worry about that. Yeah, it's been a long time since they've been in that spot. It's never happened. <laughs> they've never been in that spot. <laughs> yeah, the conference, yeah, yeah. Yeah, since the playoff era, they've uh, never right. they've either had two or one. So, yeah. We'll see. And Georgia's schedule still is very friendly. That's going to – they can kind of lean on that through whatever adversity, through whatever chinks that we're seeing in the armor. The fact that – 
you know, and this the schedule is their yeah. friend. If you if you want a three-peat, they couldn't ask for a better schedule. Yeah. Because you know, they had some personnel changes. Stetson's gone. Carson Beck is in. Sure, he's got a lot of weapons, but that doesn't guarantee he's just gonna step in right and light it up. But that schedule is friendly. Yes. They still might not. They still well, somebody might trip them up. It could, you know, we've seen teams go for three piece before. You know, y'all were the kids, but the USC squad that lost to Texas. Right. I just knew they were about to get a three peat. And you know, Vince Young like, had yeah. other ideas. So we we've seen this yeah. before. The problem with like say Georgia does go 12 and 0. What what would be super interesting is if they lose the SEC championship game, especially to LSU. And then you look at around the country and you have all those teams I mentioned that have resumes that are comparable. What does the committee choose? Because <laughs> like the Pac-12 is seriously loaded. Like the UW or or Oregon, they're gonna have a damn good resume if they're one or no loss. Like no loss they're in, but if they're one loss, like USC, USC was gonna get in last year if they beat Utah in the Pac-12 title game. If they are that and win, like if UW or Oregon has one loss, like they're getting in this year. Like it's gonna happen. Um, and then Texas, maybe Oklahoma still, you know, I don't think they're that good, but who knows with their schedule, they could run the run the table with Texas and the Big 12, and then it could come down to winner. Like it's just for the first year ever, there's enough parity across the country, I think, thanks to the portal, thanks to the, even the play clock a little bit, that there's a playing field level and the SEC has to sweat a little bit. For the first time ever, Greg Sankey has to feel a little nervous uh, about, you know, what happens at the end of uh, – on uh, Selection Sunday. And when you're the standard and been the standard for all these years, because if, if, the, if the Big Ten had done what the SEC has done, they'd be strutting around and, you know, be unbearable and – and you know, flexing too. But everybody been gunning for you for decades. Yeah. You know, Oregon's coach came from Georgia. So that yep. deflection, stuff like that. Just like USA basketball used to destroy everybody. And then the world started closing the gap, catching yep. up, catching up, catching up. The Gold State Warriors smoking everybody. Everybody eventually, you know, between the wear and tear of trying to sustain it and everybody gunning for you. It's Patriots, Alabama, everybody. So now after 25, 30 years of the SEC, well, the good hey shoulders above everybody. Here comes the other conferences. Well, we go, we gotta catch up. We gotta the good finally, news is, you know, Texas might be one of those teams that take a spot. They'll be in your conference next year. So, <laughs> it's true. so we'll see. And who, uh, who would have ever thought they would be bona fide or in position uh, to do anything coming in? We're like, uh, man, we they're going to they're going to drag us down coming in but they look yeah. like they got their stuff together right now but i'm telling you the team that i am like i have a crush on is washington like they are legit dude <laughs> penix the like that offense is fun man they every time they touch the ball they're scoring and i know they haven't played a great schedule yet i mean they got michigan state at literally the best time you could ever get a team and they went in there and kicked their ass so don't like you got to give them credit for that but it's going to be like they got Oregon coming up on the 14th. Um, they play USC on the 4th of November. They have Oregon State, who's ranked, Utah, who's ranked, Washington State, who's ranked. Like if they come out of that undefeated, that's a playoff team, whether they win the Pac 12 title team game or not. Like that offense is Michael Penix is, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I would assume he's number one in the Heisman race right now. And their defense has played pretty well too. They've allowed uh, 19 points, 10 and 7. Uh, that's pretty, that'll do. So, I don't know, man. They're fun. They're a very deep sleeper. 
And Mel Tucker, what are you doing, man? Oh, Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker. Uh, you know who? <laughs> I don't want to make a joke of a serious situation, obviously, but you know who's got to be happy? They stayed put where they are. Big dog. Big dog. Vince Mayer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He's got to be. Uh, he made the right choice whenever that that whole thing happened where Michigan State tried to get him. I guess the year that Tucker took over. So Mel Mel made a serious run. I mean, they. they oh yeah, it was close. They it was close. Bad. Yeah, and uh, I already saw. <laughs> I already saw Mark Stoops' name, of course, being on the candidate list that the media occurred. <laughs> like, I'm guilty of it. I guess I'm part of the media, but I, you know what I mean. Look, there might be a job that comes up, like when I like Nebraska was one, even with their history, like that. I could have saw Stoops taking an interview. Obviously, Florida State a couple years ago was definitely one that you would have sweat a little bit. Whenever Iowa happens, you're gonna sweat. Mm-hmm. That Michigan State is not a better job than Kentucky right now. It's just not. They're in the Big Ten East, where they Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan talk about catching up. That's gonna take like five more years. They're running away with. It. Uh, the Big Ten West sucks, and they're not splitting the division. I don't think they're getting rid of division play. Uh, when, uh, the Big Ten West sucks now, and then they're going to add USC, Oregon, and you know the other schools. And I don't think in Washington, Oregon, I don't think they're splitting them up. I think they're keeping the division. So I, I, it's just there's no path at Michigan State, Kentucky. There's more of a path, and there's better recruiting. It's just. You, he's able to recruit Michigan to Kentucky. Like he doesn't need to move up there to go recruit. Like it, it'll be fine. So Mark Stoops is not going to Michigan State. I mean, may, if Michigan opened up and he was a legit candidate, okay, yeah, I'm sweating because Michigan can win. Michigan State, man, uh, this is not basketball. <laughs> it's not this, basketball. this is the year for to, for Michigan to finally kind of take. I that know. Out. I was talking about that. Like Michigan, you if you're Michigan, you better win this damn thing. This year, I, I or else think- you're never gonna do it. <laughs> And they don't look that good, by the way. They they didn't last Saturday. However, I do think they – I mean, two years in a row, yeah. Joe Moore Ward, uh, good yeah. quarterback coming back. He didn't play good last Saturday, but the previous two games he, were, he was on fire. You know, uh, hardball back. Solid running backs, really good running back, I should yeah, say. Uh, beast. You know, good defense, really good defense. I think this is the third year in a row that they beat Ohio State, and I think they kind of forced Ohio State's hand. To fire Ryan Day, um, that would be. Can you imagine? How many it, it, games, I don't think. How don't many think, games has Day lost? I know he's lost two yeah. to Michigan. How many games has he lost total? Maybe six. Like seven? Yeah, I'm gonna look right now. He's, I know Georgia in the playoff last year, which they you know give him a lot of credit. They they played great in that game, yeah. uh, but, and they lost the playoff game to Clemson. I'm trying to think of what other losses he's got. It's not how many. To Bama, Bama Nest championship game. Uh, yes. So that's. You know, Michigan yeah, he's twice. You're, you you nailed it. He's forty eight and six. Yeah, that that's a tough one, man. Like if <laughs> Ohio State is the most scrutinized <laughs> college football program, yeah. he's you're you're always on a hot seat hot seat at Ohio State. You know, yeah. especially if you lose to Michigan two years in a row, which I think I really believe that this year may be three. And I, I, I almost, think it will be. I almost believe that Notre Dame is going to be on Saturday. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's you know it's going to get spooky for Ohio State this year. Mm-hmm. Hey, and those those high profile football jobs, it's not even how many games you lose, it's who you lose to, or That's how many true. how many you lose to your reign rival. I think it was Bill Bill Curry got ran away, ran from Alabama because he was losing to Auburn too That's much. Right. And he was he was solid yeah. at Alabama before he came to Kentucky. 
And look, you losing two or three to, to Auburn, hey, you got to go. Ryan Day, man, you 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 won ninety percent of your games, but hey, you lost three in a row to Michigan. You got to get up out of here, bro. You can't yeah. you can't have that. So you know, what Michigan, what Brady Hoke and whoever else? Uh, Char- uh, uh, no, Brady Boyd, Hoke and Lloyd uh, Carr, Rick, Rick Ramirez, is it Rich Rodriguez? Rich Rodriguez, thank you. Lloyd Carr, Rich all Rod. those dudes came in and couldn't beat Ohio State. Harbaugh was about to get ran until he pulled a couple out of his behind, and now he he got his stuff back on solid yeah. ground. And now Ryan Day might be yeah, in the unemployment nuts. line, that's man. True. That's how it is, man. I think I think that that Michigan train is on the tracks, man. It's rolling now. I really believe that. I think it's rolling. I, I mean, just I mean, two Joe Moore wars in a row. That's yeah, nuts. I mean, you got a quarterback. Team, I mean, like this is by far yeah. his best team. I think most complete team. I would be shocked if they didn't run the table and go into the playoffs undefeated. Yeah. I would be shocked. I, I just don't see anybody beating them, man. And there ain't <laughs> who's going to win that Big Ten West is more like who's not going to lose it. Like it is such a bad division, right? And, you know, obviously it should get better with how they do things, and you know the teams from the West Coast coming in. But like this year, man, like uh, who's the best team in the Big Ten West? Like or who's not the worst team is the better question. It's just, it's it's bad. I mean, you may you may see an Indiana win the Big Ten. Ugh, wow, that'd be gross. I, I I think it's gonna be Iowa, but not because of their offense. <laughs> I just and we, we were talking about Iowa. I don't. I think if Iowa came open after the season, I don't think I don't think Stoops would leave for Iowa. No, I, it's just it would be one sweat because he. You know, it's his alma mater. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, a lot of family played there. That it would make, uh, I put it on the make you sweat list. I don't know if it would be a, a take immediate type thing. Yeah. I don't know. I was a. The only, yeah, I agree. I think Kentucky's, you know, the better job. My two things with Iowa would be, again, the history and two, the, they've left, you know, Ference has had done a lot of good. He's also, they've obviously run the offensive game into the ground. So you know you have ultimate job security if you're keeping a guy like that for 20-plus years. But you kind of have that at Kentucky. You, I mean, Mitch Barnhart has done a great job at just letting Stoops do his thing, not rushing to judgment when he easily could have after three, four years. So uh, it, it's it's interesting. I don't think it would be as much of a slam dunk as it might have been a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah. it, it, would make me, it would make me sweat if I'm Kentucky. I think I agree with you on that is with each passing year – the, right. the probability it's, gets less and less because that's what I'm thinking. he's what 56, 57 years old. He's he's mid to late fifties now. Mark Stoops. I think he's fifty four. I think he's like fifty six. I think mid, he's I'll, mid fifties. And oh, so he's fifty six. I'm off, man. Yeah. Ah, so so you you put all that in, and then you want to go start over and take four yeah, or five years, bad. and then you're pushing sixty. Another point too. Uh, I'm I don't think he would go to Iowa, but you know the. The Stoops family legacy and the ties to Iowa and and all that. I mean, you know, it's you know it's a special place in his heart. That's where he yeah. played and all that. Um my my co-host TB on Cast Talk Wednesday, y'all know Terry. Yeah, his his wife is from Iowa. He's moved out there and he he's he makes a good point. He's like, Don't don't sleep on the, the money out there in Iowa. 
It's yeah, good. a lot yeah. of people want to think Texas and all that. He said, "Look, I was known for corn." He said, "Corn is everywhere. <laughs> corn is in your food. Corn is in the gas. How do you corn, think Nebraska pays flakes. all these coaches? Yeah, How do you think they on, pay all them? Look on the ingredients of everything you, yeah. you pick up at the store. Corn is in it." He said, "So it ain't like they couldn't cut some checks, or, right. or at least, like you said, to make you sweat money." Yeah. They they could get some money up too, no. kind of like kind of like SMU. They're not getting ACC money. They don't right. care. The boosters have already raised a hundred, two hundred million dollars down there and and making it rain. We don't we go into a conference for free, but the right. boosters are going to support that program. It's crazy. It is crazy, and yeah, I guess. And two, the other job that really would make you sweat, and it, it might happen again because I'm not sure they have a great coach right now. But I think you know what happened at Oklahoma happened so fast where if they if they had, I just think they went really quick with Venables as soon as they, I thought. I think they just Venables was a guy for whatever reason. But I think the next time they're open, they have a full search. That one could get interesting too, obviously, because of what his brother did there and, you know, a, another family tie one. But again, I just think it would take the perfect situation and the perfect money to pull him at this point. He's, I guess I was off on his age. I guess he should take that as a compliment for me that <laughs> I thought he was younger. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but it's interesting. It's always an interesting conversation. But um, And he, I mean, we don't know what his, his mind and heart is, but you speak of Oklahoma. And his brother Bob retired early, and maybe because of yeah. what happened to his father, we know what his father. And that could happen here and too. And Mark might not want to stay in it for long yeah. either, because you know that. And that also, just back you have, I just feel like we already <laughs> call me crazy or a conspiracy guy, but when Brad White rejects all these really good jobs, it almost feels like you're having coaching waiting with him possibly, mm-hmm. uh, and also John John Summerall when. He's going to be a name on the market every year with what he's doing at Troy. And obviously, Kentucky's his alma mater. I uh, did the really, really good things as an assistant here. So you have some candidates who I could see Mark if he, if like you said, with his brother retiring earlier, if he wants to go that route eventually. Like, he has some guys he could hand the job off to where, you know, I don't know. If, obviously, that bit Kentucky the last time it happened. But I think yeah. it's a little different. I think it's a little different now with the guys I just mentioned and how they've recruited for Kentucky. I mean, some, some of the guys John Summerall has pulled are the reason why they're in the spot. And then Brad White is obviously a highly respected defensive coordinator who has done just a remarkable job. So uh, I think that's an interesting one, too. I've always thought about that. And, you know, maybe Liam Cohen enters that conversation one day, too. But again, hopefully, you know, he's got plenty of time here left. He's obviously done. Uh, an amazing job with this program. We wouldn't be talking about Kentucky football like this every week, honestly, uh, if it weren't for what uh, he's done here. Yeah, and we'll for y'all UK fans, we're we're working on all the other sports as well, but it's just football is rolling right now. It's season, man, and and keeping keeping with that, you mentioned, you know, uh, Brad White and and everybody that Summerall brought in that kind of left the cupboard full, even though he went on to Troy. We had two, you know, the, the Smith twins at Corbin flipped from Michigan. Speaking of Michigan, flipped from Michigan to Kentucky yeah. after Corbin beats Douglas down at six to nothing and <laughs> a defensive masterpiece. It was Iowa, Kentucky. <laughs> but you get two, and for the state of Kentucky, who still doesn't produce talent on the level of other states, you know, right. t- twin studs. 
Corbin, I hop on a jump from where I'm from, hour and a half from where I grew up in Harlan County, and two D-line prospects that are going to be, you know, committing to the Cats. So, you yeah. know, they, they win, they beat the big city school, Douglas from Lexington, and then they flip to Kentucky. I mean, you just couldn't script a better Friday night for those two young fellas. Yeah, and they've um, – I'm trying to pull it up right here. Can, the thing that's really important about obviously getting those guys is huge and they've in Jeff Brom's first year and this is year one so I, I'm not going to say they've shut them out whatever but the top three players in the state per 247 all committed to Kentucky the number six player the number eight player the number nine player so and Louisville's gotten they got the number five prospect so overall you've cleaned up on your home turf uh in year one against Brom head to head um, again, it's just year one, and Kentucky obviously got a head start on these guys. Ron was still at Purdue until December. But I think that's really important to clean up the top talent in your state. And like you said, Vinny, it's it's a good – it's a it's a football state that's getting better. It's, yeah. not, it's not Tennessee yet. It's not Georgia. It's not Florida. It's nowhere near those guys yet. But it's getting better. And you got to clean up. That's where it all starts. I mean, you look at Kentucky's roster right now. Uh, Dane Key, one of the most important players who obviously needs to get going a little bit. Jagger Burton, we talked about him at length earlier, really important player for this team, both from Lexington to Kel Crowdis, who I still think needs to play a role in this team uh, from Kentucky. There's a lot of uh, Octavius Oxidon, JJ Weaver. There's a lot of Kentucky guys on this team that play important roles and you got to clean up your home state and Kentucky has done a really good job uh, this cycle in doing so, especially, you know, the Smith twins, uh, I think Cutter Bowley is going to be a starting quarterback for you soon, like in the next two years soon. And then Willie Rodriguez looks the part too. So, mm-hmm. you know, really important to clean up at home. Yeah. So it's just to, to see it on this upward trend statewide. Um, and me being from the mountains, the small towns in Kentucky, to see it be kids outside of Lexington and yeah. Louisville, nothing against the city. And, you know, there's, the small town and looks and yeah. always kind of look at each other sideways. And, you know, especially <laughs> when it comes to, you know, a good kid coming out of the mountains, well, they haven't played anybody or if they yeah. play somebody from Lexington, they'll get shut down. It's always been that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Even, back and forth. So it's good to see kids from all over the state, you know, yeah. getting, being on Kentucky's radar, you know, Cash Daniels from the mountains and, and he went in and did his thing and played. Yeah. So and he, see, I mean, he like Cox, I know near yeah. Washington, but Nicholsville, West Jessamine guy and, Drake mm-hmm. Jackson was obviously a Versailles guy. So yeah. I know they're close to Lex, but still playing at the smaller schools uh, in the mm-hmm. smaller counties. So it's always fun to see them uh, attack the uh, attack the home state. For sure. Sure. Man, is there anything else you want to get to? I know you mentioned a couple things. Yeah, I, I would just – no, I think we could hit it more – we'll have a better field next week. I, the last thing I just want to say real quick is I've seen – I still saw people upset with the way that Devin Leary's played. And I was, I was listening to um, – Listen to the the uh, Sirius XM show and how Leary's disappointed so far, and I, I just don't get that man. Like I, I just don't. I'm sorry. I know the first half of the first two games weren't great, but you know there has to be some some sympathy for the fact he hadn't played a game since October 8th or whatever it was of last year. Uh, he didn't. It's not like he played up until January for a bowl game. Like he was done for the year rehabbing. Like this is a guy who didn't play any football for 11 months, give or take, game football. So, um, and then last week, man, 
<laughs> some of the throws he made, I mentioned the one to Tavion on third and 22, uh, the throw that to Dingle that ended in a fumble, unfortunately, yeah. amazing catch. That ball was in a perfect spot. Um, the pick was Dane Key's fault. I think 10 out of 10, you got to turn around. You maybe, maybe Larry puts it a little right. Um, Cause you know, maybe he's anticipating Dane gets to the spot quicker, but Dane Key turns around, at least it's on his fingertips and it's a drop instead of, instead of a pick like that's on dinky and that's been was alluded to multiple times this week that it was on dinky um there's been drops that have cost them some plays but some of the throws he makes we all i mean we could i'm not even going to get into the play he made on his <laughs> basically going down to the ground and getting out to the ray but the way he's able to extend plays the way he's able to um step up in the pocket and make really good throws like they are they're i think they're averaging nine plays uh nine yards per play in the passing game uh, these aren't short passes. Last year was a lot of quick game, a lot of screens. You're not seeing that. They're able to throw the ball downfield because Devin Leary is so damn good at it. And I don't think he's been perfect. I mean, three picks. And again, I don't think one of them was his fault. I think the other two were. Um, it's not good enough. That's one per game. You can't have it. But man, he's done He's done really good things. Yeah, I just don't get the argument that he's been disappointing so far. I think he's been maybe hasn't exceeded expectations, but he's been the guy that that's been advertised. And I think as he gets more comfortable, you know, you obviously need the offensive line. I think they've done pretty good in pass protection. Uh, last week I thought it was their worst game in pass protection yet. So you got to get a little better there, but I don't get the whole Devin Leary has been disappointing thing. It, that's just not how it's been. It, it, I mean, I've watched every snap. He has not been disappointing. Will Levis last year before and after the injury was disappointing. This guy hasn't. Been. Yeah. What do they want, man? Exactly. I mean, what do they want? I don't, He's I mean, not going to be Tim Couch. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, and that's not how the offense is built either. Like, you know, it, I, I I don't get it, you know. Um, and this is not only Kentucky fans or coaches, whatever they want from them. Uh, I'm looking at a lot of other fan bases too, man. I'm like, what do you want? Oh I mean, like, what do you expect? Like, just like we're talking about with Milro. Like, what did you expect? I know it's Alabama, but yeah. it's two yeah. games. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. The same people that were probably disappointed in Larry or feel that he hasn't lived up to the billing and all that were probably the same ones, just like everybody else, holding their breath when he went down, with, when he got the wind knocked out of him. Yes. So, oh, yeah. no. Oh, yeah. oh. Can you imagine if they lost Larry in that situation <laughs> or if they lose him this week? Then what are those guys going to say? Yeah. And I'm not, that's not a knock on Kaya or any of the backups. It's just mm -hmm. like Devin Leary is a good quarterback. And the way he's played so far is an upgrade to what they had at the position last year. That's the facts. So I, I think it would be big for him and big for the fan base if he could just go out and play four quarters and dominate this Vandy secondary that's just got toasted by UNLV. No doubt. Yep. Hopefully it plays out just like that this Saturday. You get the a construction zone. Press box seat. Take your hard hat, Aaron. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> My gosh. Watch your step and watch <laughs> out for loose beams and, you know, nails, backhoes yeah. and crane parts and whatever else oh. is down there, man. But yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to hearing <laughs> uh, your account of what happens when we get back next week. Um, yeah. and no emergency podcast to speak of yet. Oh, no. let's not have that. We let's don't not wanna, have that. <laughs> have that. 
We did that last year. That's the first and only emergency podcast, I think. Yeah, in the history. yeah. We've never. Ha- I thought I texted. I think in the group chat in the toward the end of that first half against EKU, like, oh shit, <laughs> it might be happening, guys. Um, but yeah. luckily, it didn't get there. It's, it was Vandy last year when we did. Yeah, like twelve thirty in the morning. You yeah. were up in uh, in Green Bay. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, that will put a bow on this episode. Hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, keep subscribing to the YouTube. Check us out on the live. I see a blue. If you missed us now, they always put the episode up on the site with different links to the audio and the YouTube as well. So we appreciate them for that. Appreciate everybody for listening. Appreciate Jalen Whitlow and Aaron Gershon. And we'll be back again next week to do this very same thing on Believe in Kentucky. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the games. Let's go 1 0 in the SEC. Let's go, Cats. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube